glad you're joining us online. If you don't know who I am, my name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad you're joining us in the room. So glad you're joining us online. We are working through the book of Matthew. So if you have a Bible, Matthew 26 is where we're going to be. Uh, Matthew 26 uh, is where we're going to be. So you can turn there if you'd like to follow along on Matthew 26. But in the meantime, I got a couple quick announcements for you. I'm going to try and get through them quickly. The first one is this. Um, is, oh, maybe I turned my TV off. This is going to be unhelpful if I turn it off. Um, No, that's totally on. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you about, I don't want to turn it off. I'm going to tell you about them. Okay, here we go. So the first one is Easter. Um, Easter is in two weeks, and we're going to have three services on Easter, 8, 30, 10, and 11, 30. 8, 30, 10, and 11, 30 are three services on Easter, right? And if you haven't had your time to do your gift shopping for Easter, you still have two weeks, which is really why I'm trying to make the announcement for you, um, is so that you make sure to get all your um, gifts. Uh, you guys uh, don't seem to know the, you know the ancient tradition for Easter, right? So, so for Christmas, you buy gifts for your kids, um, for Easter, you buy gifts for your pastor. So um, you got two weeks to get that figured out. Um, it'll, it'll, it'll get you closer to Jesus in heaven on how you, anyways. Um, no, Easter, uh, April 17th, 8.30, 10, 11.30. Friday night um, is Good Friday. And so we'd love for you to join us. There's going to be nine other churches that are going to be joining with us to celebrate Good Friday um, on April 15th. Friday at 7 o'clock. We're going to be in here, in, so, so you can find your way here to Monmouth Christian Church at 7 o'clock. Um, here we'll be joined together, 10 of us all worshiping together and remembering Jesus' sacrifice. And then, then lastly is on the 16th on Saturday uh, at 11 a.m. we're doing our Easter egg hunt at Main Street Park. And so we'd love for you to be involved in that. Um, you can stuff eggs, which to do that, um, all you got to do is stick around after service, or you can text mom at the 97,000, say you want to help, and you can come by and stuff eggs. We got a lot of eggs to stuff, or you can help on the 11th, uh, on the 16th at 11 a.m., um, but either way, text Monmouth to 97,000 and click that you want to help with, um, uh, with the Easter egg hunt. And then just the last couple things is uh, that I don't have slides for, even if I had slides, I wouldn't have them, is youth group. Youth group starts tonight, uh, 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock. So if you've got junior high or high schoolers, we're going to be over in the other building. They can park in the gravel parking lot um, for youth group. And, oh, newcomers lunch. If you're new to MCC the last six months, I know, sorry, online, this doesn't apply to you. Um, but if you're new here, we'd love to have lunch with you, get to know you, meet a little bit of staff. And that's what the tables are set up as you came in. Um, so if you just want to stick around after service, we'd love to um, have lunch with you and, and get to know you a little bit. Um, and then lastly, as you leave, we have yard signs for Easter. Um, please take one and put them in your yard. And take a second one and put them in a random person's yard. And just see how long it sits there. We'll have a little game. Just leave it in someone else's yard. And whoever gets to stay there the longest, I'll, I'll give you a high five. Um, I'm kidding. That would be illegal um, for you to do. But grab a yard sign and you can go drop it um, in your yard. And that would be awesome. So Matthew 26, you got your Bible open? Today, we are going to talk about failure. Yay! Um, I, I was uh, recently reading some stuff, and this historian um, referred to this as the greatest military failure of the 20th century, which is a big statement, 
right? The greatest failure. A lot of military things happened in the 20th century, and he said it was the greatest failure in the 20th century. Um, it was a program the Russians did called the Dog Mine. Have you ever heard of this? The Dog Mine. You can look it up. It's a true story. Totally actually happened, right? So the Russians, in preparation for what everyone knew was going to be World War II, before they got involved in World War II, they started to develop this new weapon that they called the Dog Mine. And it is... As grotesque as it sounds, it is what you kind of imagine you think it is. They would strap bombs to dogs, right? And what they would do, they spent all this time training these dogs to find their way underneath tanks. And this was their idea, that they would send these dogs out. They would go out to these German tanks. They would go underneath the tanks, and then they'd set the bombs off, right? Horrible, horrible thing. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Um, the Russians didn't own any German tanks. So when they practiced, they used their tanks. So on the first day that Russia entered into the World War II, they sent their dog mines out, but their dog mines had associated only tanks with Russian tanks, and the whole unit had to retreat, running from their own bomb-laden dogs. <laughs> Failure. Failure. T today we're going to look at a story. It might be a story you're familiar with. You might know um, about a massive failure, a huge failure, a cataclysmic failure, a failure that could have defined the legacy of a person. So if you have your Bibles, here, here it is, Matthew um, 26. Matthew 26, we're going to be in verse 31. It says this. That Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this very night. For it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the flock shall be scattered. But after I've been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. But Peter said, <laughs> I was thinking, well, I was reading this. Um, there's a, a sermon that um, a, a lot of people have adapted. And it's this idea that when you're reading scripture, Two of the most hopeful words in all of scripture are these two words, but God, right? Because anytime you read those two words, what you know is happening in that passage is like some really painful, horrible things are going on or, or, or um, the writer's talking about some really horrible things that are going to happen, but then it says this, but God. And, and in those single two words, we know that everything changes. Right? All the darkness and the pain that the writer's talking about, but God shows up. It's this incredibly optimistic, celebratory, joy-filled two words. I, I think that um, anytime you're reading scripture and you see the words, but Peter, it might be the opposite. Right? Like things are going well enough, but Peter decided to open his mouth. Right? And that's exactly what happens here. God's trying to, Jesus is trying to warn him, it's going to be hard. You're going to flee. Things are going to go bad. But Peter said to him, even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. <laughs> Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you that this very night before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. But Peter said to him again, like double down, even if I have to die with you, I will not 
deny you. Now, if you know the story, you know that when Jesus says something's going to happen, those things happen. And that very night, they come to arrest Jesus and all the disciples flee, including Peter. But Peter is one of the disciples that follows at a distance. And Jesus is arrested and there's the trial and, and, and they flog him and they, they take him out to be crucified. And Peter is kind of always standing out at a distance and people begin to recognize Peter. And just as Jesus said three different times, someone says, hey, um, are you with that guy? Are you one of his disciples? Are you, are you by his side? And three times, just as he says, he, he says, no, 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 not me, not me. You got the wrong guy. Not me, not me. Never, I would never follow that guy. Failure. Man, like massive cataclysmic failure. Whatever ways you've failed, I doubt that it has been on the scale of standing in front of Jesus and saying, I would never deny you. And just hours later doing exactly that. In fact, there's this really like crushing, painful moment um, in one of the gospels is telling the story. And it says that, that Peter denies Jesus on the very third, the last time on the third time, the rooster crows. And then there's just one other little detail. And Jesus and Peter make eye contact. Just think about the crushing guilt in that moment. And this is a moment in Peter's life that could have defined him. Peter has a lot of moments where he tries really messing things up, but there's not a lot that get worse than this. And there is another, there is another whose failures on this night do define him. We, we talked about him last week. Judas, his failures on this night are the thing that define his legacy and how we talk about him for the last 2,000 years. It is what we think of when we think of Judas is his betrayal and his failure. And Peter has this very real risk in this moment of this being what defines him. I, uh, um, I periodically will um, coach football. And one year I was coaching with this other guy and you know, you, you, you do the little, you get the team together and you do the hoorah-rah and you give an inspirational speech. And, and um, he, was, he was telling these students, he said, here's the thing about football and about life. He said, in a football game, and I assume this is probably true with most other sports, but I'm not as actively involved in other sports. Um, he says, every football game is decided by four or five plays. Just four or five plays. You'll run 60, 80 plays. Every football game is defined by four or five plays. The, 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 the obstacle is when you start the game, you don't know when those four or five plays are going to come. And you don't always know ahead of time what side you're going to end up on those four or five plays. You see, for most of us, the way we see our lives and we see our world and we see ourselves are actually defined in the same way with football by maybe just four or five plays. Maybe they're good and they're awesome and they're these beautiful moments, but for many of us, the way we walk through life and the way we interact with people and the way we have relationships and the way we interact with God are defined by these four or five moments that have happened in our life. Some of them full of shame and regret and bitterness and anger and brokenness. And maybe it's just one night or one relationship or one failure or one moment or one conversation. But 
but these, these things, just such a few things, and Peter runs this risk of this being one of those things that defines who he is, the one who denied Jesus. And then I saw this. Like, I've read through this. I've, I've taught it, and this just hit me different when I, when I read through it this time. Um, if you have a Bible, look at verse 35, because I actually didn't read the whole verse. Um, if, you, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. I'm gonna read it to you. It, Peter says this, right? This second time. Peter said to him, even I have to die, if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And then I never really caught this. It says this. All the disciples said the same thing too. All the disciples. Judas is gone at this point. This is Peter and the other 10 disciples. But this, this, this failure wasn't just a Peter failure. This failure was actually a failure of all those who stood closest to Jesus. That every single one of the disciples said to Jesus. Now, Matthew doesn't record their words, right? Um, I'm sure Peter had some words to share with Matthew when his gospel got released. And Matt, Peter was the only one that, Jesus, that Matthew calls out as and I'm not going to deny you ever. But every single one of them say, if we have to die, we will not deny you. We will not abandon you. We will not leave you. And just moments later, every single one of them scatters. And, and he, here's, what, here's what I realized. This isn't just Peter's story. This isn't actually just the 11 disciples' story. Like, this is our story. This is the story of humanity, failure after failure after failure. Think of, think of um, all the way back to the beginning, Adam and Eve in the garden, right? What is the thing that we remember most about Adam and Eve? It's their failure, right? It, it's, it's their rebellion. It's the eating the fruit. What, what we don't often talk about, what we don't think about, like, like we don't talk about um, Adam naming all the animals unless you're teaching like a little kid's class. We don't talk about what seems to be Adam and Eve's faithfulness to pursue their God for the remainder of their life, which went on for a lot of years. But Adam and Eve are defined by a failure. We look at Noah, I mean, if you know the story of Noah, right? We think like Noah is this like victorious, righteous man. Um, when you read it, it gives a lot better, better picture of basically like all the world's busted and Noah is just like the least busted of all the really busted people, right? But all creation is busted. Abraham, you look at Abraham's story. Abraham's a mess. Busted and broken moments in his life that defined him and changed the course of his life because of his rebellion. Moses, right? Why does Moses end up out in the wilderness? Because he killed a man. The people of Israel enslaved in bondage in Egypt. God comes and redeems them. And we, we tell the story of the Exodus, this beautiful, good story of the Exodus. But only days later... They're out there fashioning a golden idol to worship over the God who took them through the Red Sea and delivered them from the most powerful army in the world. Here's what, here's what I realized. This isn't a Peter story. This isn't just a disciple's issue. This is us. Like what makes us 
human is that we are busted and broken people. We, every single one of us, have areas in our life of regret and shame and, and brokenness that's exploded. And maybe it's just like three or four or five moments, but the really incredible risk is just like Peter, the risk is that those failures begin to define us. And in fact, that's exactly what the enemy wants in you. That's exactly what the enemy wants in you. He stirs up these remembrances in you. He stirs up this shame in you because he wants you to believe that you've been defined by these failures. But something different happens for Peter. Something different happens for us. And, and, and you see it all through scripture. Um, remember Adam and Eve, right? The fruit God, God's speaking to him and, and he's, he's laying out all these things that are going to happen because of their brokenness, the curse that's going to come on them, uh, pay, increased pain in childbearing, toiling, all these, all these things that are going to happen. And then there's this one little, um, there's, there's one little thread that begins right there. We call it the Proto-Evangelium. It, 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 it's the first gospel. It says this, it says that, but your seed will crush the head of the serpent. You see, in the midst of, of our brokenness and our shame and our guilt, there is a whispering of God who is redeeming and restoring what is broken. And then just end there, it goes all through scripture and it says all throughout the Old Testament that all these things are a, a, a foreshadowing. The, the, the Noah and the ark is this foreshadowing of this redemption that will come, that the exodus from Egypt is this shadowing of, the, of, of things that even in the midst of our rebellion that we serve a God, that there is a God who is working together, that even in our rebellion, he is faithful. If you look back at the passage, it, it says this, um, look, look, look again. Verse 31, then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike down the shepherd, right? That's Jesus, he'll be struck down, and the sheep, that's us. What we do in hardship is, is this, the flock shall be scattered. But he says, but after I've been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. You see, the, the, the quiet whisper, the silver lining, the, the red cord that holds all of Scripture together is not that you are good or able or righteous or capable, but the message of the gospel all throughout Scripture is that you are busted and broken, full of regret and shame, but he is faithful. See what it says? It says, it says you're going to scatter, but what does Jesus say? He says, but, but I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go on to Galilee. Because this whole thing that I'm doing is not dependent upon your goodness or your righteousness, but my faithfulness, my goodness, my endurance. In fact, there's this um, passage, it's in, it's in um, Timothy, and I love it. It says this, um, it's maybe one of my favorite verses of all of scripture. It says that um, when we are faithless or if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Just, just, just sit and breathe this for a moment. Because you, you see, the very risk that we have in this walk with Jesus is that we start to believe that we can convince God that we're good or worthy, or we can begin to believe that that's what God expects of us is to be good and worthy. And that's so contrary to the gospel. But when we begin to believe that, it gives this incredible weapon to the enemy. 
Because then all he has to do is remind you of those moments, right? Those failures in your life, those moments of regret, those moments of, of destruction, those moments of addiction, and say, look, look, look at these. How easy it would have been for the enemy to remind Peter in those days to come. Yeah, Peter, remember you said that you, you said it'd be different this time. And every time a rooster crows for the enemy to remind him of his failure and his regret and his brokenness. But the message of the gospel is actually the truth that every single one of us is broken and full of failures, but that he alone is faithful. Even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. Even when we are full of shame and brokenness and decay and death, he is good and able and will accomplish and will redeem and restore. All you got to do is look at the people of scripture to see God taking busted and broken people over and over and over again and redeeming and restoring them because he is faithful. Remind me, um, uh, I'm starting to get crabgrass in my lawn, right? Um, and, and I used to not get crabgrass in my lawn because uh, Zach Halligan, he goes to church here. Zach Halligan used to live in my neighborhood and he works with like fertilizers and grasses and all that kind of stuff. So he would have sympathy on me and he would come over to my house um, in the darkness of night and put fertilizer and weed killer on my lawn. So it always looked awesome. All I had to do was mow it, right? And then Zach moved. So now I'm starting to get crabgrass in my lawn and I was watching uh, TV and... Um, this ad came on, and it was, it was this ad, and it said, now kills crabgrass. <laughs> Is this not like the most middle-aged man conversation to be having? Because I was like, I need that, right? You're speaking my love language. I got crabgrass. You can fix it. Like, let's get together on this, right? Because you see, the, the, the thing is, is the temptation when you get weeds in your lawn is just to mow, because I don't know if you know this trick, if you mow tight enough, like for 24 hours, it looks really good because anything really short looks like grass. But the problem is, is it never actually gets rid of the weeds. And our temptation, when we believe that what God is concerned about is us being worthy enough and good enough, is to try and find ways to just sin management, to, 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 to hide those broken parts of our life, to just mow over them so nobody else can see them, to try and act like they, that they never were and, and try and act like they, they could just be cast aside. I... Um, I'm, I'm a, a little nerdy into details, and so when I was watching the commercial, you know, advertising was going to kill my crabgrass. I'm like all amped and excited, and I paused it because uh, it popped up, and there was very small text on the bottom of my screen, right? And so you know that the smaller the text, the more important it is, right? And so I paused it, and I got up there, and, I, and this is what I read. It said, it said um, uh, this product will kill crabgrass by creating such strength in your grass that it chokes out the crabgrass. And I thought, you're a liar. You're not killing my crabgrass. You're just crowding it out. 
right? But then I had this thought. It's what the gospel is. It's what God's trying to do. What, what Jesus does in Peter and in the disciples and all throughout scripture and in us, you see, he, here's the thing. You've never walked into a room that one light did not vanquish the darkness. And then what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus is not to ignore the weeds and the brokenness and the failures and the regret that sits in your lawn, but to draw yourself closer and closer to the one who is faithful because the more he presses in, the more he will redeem and restore the broken parts in your soul. Our great temptation, our great temptation is to fake it. But the message is the gospel. <laughs> this, is, this is what Jesus does with Peter. Do you know this? Um, Jesus raises from the dead and, and, he, and he has his breakfast with Peter on the beach. And he asks Peter this question three times. He says, do you love me? Right? Peter responds in the affirmative each time. And there's a lot of question about what's going on in, in this kind of thing. Um, but, but I think that, that one of the things that Jesus is doing is he's redeeming and restoring even the three statements. So that every single time Peter would hear something said over and over and over again, it wouldn't be a reminder of his shame anymore. It'd be a reminder of God's faithfulness, of his goodness and his life. You see, what God wants to do in you, what God wants to do in you is he wants to crowd out the brokenness to bring healing and restoration, not to ignore, not to act like it's not there. And the invitation to us every single day, the invitation to us, when, when the enemy begins to whisper into our ears, remember that moment, remember that night, remember that decision, remember that failure, is to remind our hearts and our souls again of his faithfulness. Because the light of his faithfulness, the darkness of failure is vanquished. The invitation to you today is not to be a better, more moral, more righteous person. It's to be a person who draws closer and closer to the one who is faithful. And in that, he will redeem and restore all that is broken in you. So today, today, May we, may, we, may we be people who are fully aware of every inkling of our brokenness and failures. May we be a people who don't hide in shame trying to ignore the brokenness that, that we've experienced, the brokenness that we've lived through, the brokenness that's been inflicted on us, but may we be people that step into the light of his faithfulness, whose fingers, whose lives, whose hearts point not to some, some, some made-up fake righteousness, but, a, but, but, but point to the one who is faithful always, even when we, like Adam and Eve, rebel, even when we, like, like the, 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 the people of Israel, make idols of our own gods, even when we, like Peter, rebel and reject and walk away from Jesus, that when we are faithless, he is faithful. This morning, this morning, my prayer, my hope for you this morning is that God would remind you again of his unending, unrelenting faithfulness. That you'd remember what the psalmist says in Psalm 136. It says this, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love 
endures forever. That for you today, his love endures forever. That in all the failures and brokenness and fears and regret, his love endures forever. This morning, when you're reminded of your failures, may you point your heart and your mind to his faithfulness. For it is in his faithfulness that we find life and hope.